Welcome back to Sit Down with RHS, a podcast from the Royal Hospital School where we talk to staff, pupils and the alumni to find out how the school makes a unique impact to young people's lives. Now, in this episode, we're sitting down with Zoe King, Deputy Head Pastoral, to hear all about her role overseeing pastoral care and boarding at the school. If you want to hear all about the emotional well-being of the pupils, then listen on. We hear some great anecdotes from Zoe, such as how she ensured students felt connected to the school during lockdown, how she kept a close eye on student well-being during lockdown as well, and what she believes to be the secret behind the amazing confidence of students at RHS. Ready? Then let me hand over to your host, Arabella Norley, speaking to Zoe King. Well, good afternoon. I'm joined today by Zoe King. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your uh, role? What is your job title at RHS um, and how long you've actually been at the school? So I'm the Deputy Head Pastoral and in that role I oversee all of our pastoral care and all of our boarding. Um, I've been here at RHS for four years so this is just coming up to the end of my fourth year and uh, really it's about making sure that all our young people can reach their full potential by being emotionally healthy and having good well-being. Gosh, can I say that is a brilliant way of summing it up because I was going to ask you, what does pastoral mean? So you've had a very exciting career and I know you've got various passions and interests as well. So do you want to tell us a little bit about where you started? What sort of drew you first into teaching? I never actually um, aimed to become a teacher. It was never a passion or a dream of mine. I actually wanted to be a nurse, but unfortunately, um, with a fear of blood and needles, it sort of cut that dream short quite quickly. I had enjoyed my university studies, thought I might like to go into lecturing, so took an opportunity to do a course on teaching. And in actual fact, it was so challenging, my first placement, I remember phoning my tutor and telling them that I was going to quit the place and uh, take a year out and a gap year before going back into studies. And she asked me to meet her the following day in school and to have an opportunity for the two of us to see what it was that I was um, struggling with at school and how I might be able to teach some of these young people. And she was so inspiring in the classroom and my competitive nature kicked in that I actually felt that this was something I could do and really wanted to learn how to do it well. So I take my hat off to my university tutor. She inspired me. And for 28 years now, I have enjoyed teaching as much now as I did then. Gosh, well, it's amazing, isn't it, how people can step in at the right time. And we'll we'll come back to how you've perhaps been that person as well for some of your pupils. But just going and back, so there you were at university. What did you study at university? So I studied biology and geography um, with the sort of aspect of environmental science behind it, which I absolutely loved. And as someone that hadn't really enjoyed my school studies, it really got me motivated. And I ended up, you know, in rivers and and streams, counting fish populations um, on the banks of the rivers, looking at the plants that were there. It really was a fascinating course and, and one I really enjoyed. So when you finished that, you sort of said that you were interested in becoming a nurse, obviously, aside from the blood. What was it that was drawing you into that type of profession? I think being one of a large family, I'm one of six mm. children. Oh, wow. And we'd always been very close as, as siblings, and I was one of the eldest. I think that that idea of working with younger people had always been there. 
And so the thought of perhaps giving someone a better school experience than I'd had, um, giving someone a sense that, uh, you know, education is something that should be valued and, and, you know, respected and can open so many paths and so many doorways. I think for me to try and create for someone else that positive opportunity is something just it really inspired me to follow that teaching route. I mean, it's interesting you say that. And often I talk to many teachers, uh, you know, along their career path, sort of similar level to you. So you talk about that when they were at school, that it wasn't something that actually was the best experience for them. So there you were, obviously you started um, your time at this university and then off you went to train to be a teacher. And you said about going to watch your university tutor. What was it you saw her doing um, or him doing that actually kind of inspired you? You talked about the competitive nature, but what, what was it specifically that you saw going on in that classroom? I was in a school where um, the, the young people weren't really, truly valuing their education. Mm-hmm. They were there more for the social side than the actual learning aspect itself. But she made the lesson so interesting that they wanted to learn. They wanted to be engaged in that lesson. And it just gave me a real insight into how you could engage young people and make a subject, which perhaps at times isn't always the most inspiring, have real interest to capture their imagination so that they wanted to engage and ask more questions. And I think that was the side that I had not necessarily experienced in my own school um, experience. So to see her doing that really made me feel I wanted to be as good as her, if not better. Well, we thank her for that inspiration because obviously RHS, I know it's very thankful for you. But anyway, Zoe, before we move on. So there you were, you finished your first year at university. And where did you go next? Where did you get an opportunity to sort of put that into practice? So I had just moved to Essex uh, from Norfolk, which is where I was uh, was born. And I didn't really know very much about the local schools. So a job arrived in a school in Clacton. It was by the sea. I love sailing. <laughs> so I took the opportunity of, of working there. And I have to say, whilst a challenging school, um, it was I had six fantastic years there. And I I was sad to go, but I went for a promoted post. But the young people there were just incredible young people that just gave everything a go um, from their drama productions that I was fortunate enough to see to their uh, time out on the field playing sport. It really was um, an absolute privilege to work with those young people. Gosh, amazing. And as you say, talking about actually sport and giving everything a go, because I know that's one of the foundation stones as well at RHS. So we'll come to, um, you know, RHS. What drew you to work at this school? I, I'd never worked in uh, private education before. I'd never worked in boarding. I'd spent 24 years working in state education and the last nine of those actually as head um, in two different schools. So I was looking for something that was different, uh, something that would be challenging. And I saw the advert in the paper and it reminded me of the times that I'd actually sailed down the river and seen the school from the from the water. And I, I remember it looking like such a fantastic uh, organisation. And I thought to myself, I'll have a quick look and see what the website looks like. And I looked at the website. I read the Ofsted, uh, sorry, the ISI reports, seen all these fantastic schools. It had such a great reputation. And so I thought to myself, this would offer a challenge and an educational experience I've never had before. And so that's what drew me to apply for the post. Wow. So I love that. So obviously, I think it sounds like you were made for the school. You know, growing up in East Anglia, 
obsessed about sailing. I mean, all of that seems to sort of go together. So, but when you arrived at the school, what were some of the things that maybe were challenging or just felt totally natural when you first arrived? The things that felt natural is young people, uh, no matter what school they're in, are all, are all the same generally. Um, you know, they all have the same um, worries about things. They all have the same hopes and dreams of what they want to achieve. And so it was lovely just to be surrounded by young people. But what struck me, struck me most at RHS was their confidence, their resilience and the maturity with which they could hold a conversation with an adult. It was something that was absolutely um, stunning. And, and really inspiring to see. And I think for me, it was how could I make a difference? How can I work with these young people and continue to give them the opportunities and the care that they need in order to go on and be so successful? So that was the, the part that really inspired me when I was on interview, um, just seeing their, their confidence and resilience. Wow. And I think that's quite a key part. And perhaps for people listening who don't know RHS as well, um, and I've heard it mentioned before, the confidence, the resilience. I mean, is it possible for you to work out what makes that happen? How does RHS create this environment? And obviously, I know that's part of your job role as well. But is it possible to put your finger on it? It is so hard to say that it's down to one thing. And I've mm. often thought about this because we're often asked by parents, what is it that makes that difference? How can a, a year seven that comes in um, in week one as someone perhaps a little bit unsure and a little bit timid, suddenly five weeks later have the confidence to speak at an open morning and share those first experiences uh, so clearly um, with, with a group of people that they don't know? I suppose for me, it comes down to the nurturing opportunities that the school offers. There's a really wide and varied set of opportunities that our young people have, both in the classroom and co-curricularly, which I think really help to develop that sense of independence, that sense of leadership, and also within the boarding and the day houses, that sense of family and community. And I think when you draw all of those aspects together, you get a very balanced and well-rounded young person. And I think they're very lucky, our, our pupils at, at RHS, to have all of that within their school day and therefore helps them to grow and develop into the young people that we see in year seven all the way through to year 13. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because I know that and that's probably part of a huge part of your job as well, isn't it, is making and creating that environment. So people might be interested, like, what does your actual day look like? So there you are, deputy head, pastoral. Um, obviously, you know, is it about sitting in your office with cups of tea or is it, you know, what does that actually involve, Zoe? Well, I can honestly say that no two days ever look the same. Right. Uh, pastoral <laughs> care is, is one of those aspects of school life where it can't be really be predicted. There are some things that you know might come up and there are some things that you can plan for. But generally, it, it offers a, a diversity and a complexity that uh, can come from any angle and, and, and any young person. And I think that's part of what I really love about it, that every day feels unique and feels different. But obviously, alongside that, there are things that I would do on a daily basis. I, I still teach and have always taught um, and absolutely love it. That is the, the, one of the best parts of my job. There are opportunities to sit and have cups of tea. That might be with young people talking to them about what they need or what their views of the school and how they're feeling at that time. And also engaging with staff because the pastoral care is the young people, but also our wider school community, including our staff. 
And so, yes, at times there's meetings, but some of them are actually engaging outside providers and having opportunities to see who we might bring into school to also talk with our young people and share their expertise in different areas of pastoral care that we're trying to develop or have newly um, emerged that we're trying to work with and expand our provision within the school context. So how many people would you say that you're in contact with? Because obviously you're talking about all the young people, you're talking about the staff members, outside providers. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it sounds like a huge web that you're managing as well. So our young people, we've obviously got uh, just over 740 young people in school. And yes, the, the contact with them sometimes is, is, is en masse through, through mm. assemblies and opportunities like that. And other times it's working with smaller groups or individuals. I then oversee our pastoral staff within the housing, so our housemasters and mistresses, and also our matrons and other resident staff. And of course, we've got 11 boarding houses and day houses, so that's quite a complex amount mm-hmm. of individuals. And then we're, we're fortunate enough to have an incredible health centre. And up at the health centre, there are five nurses, two counsellors, a physio and a dental practice that run from there. So it is quite a quite a mix of individuals that I get to work with. But I think that's what creates such an incredibly rewarding job and, and one that really does feel as if it helps the community to move itself forwards. And yeah, just the way you described it, it makes you feel like that is a village, a community. Um, and, you know... The- so much, as you say, is about being connected with different people who are, you can't be everywhere. But how do you prepare staff when staff um, join RHS as well? How do you prepare them for being a member of this community? We are really fortunate to have a a great induction programme that really does help staff to feel part of the community straight away. And that induction programme starts for those that join in the normal sort of admission round in the uh, sort of autumn term. That starts very early off in uh, the end of August, beginning of September. And it gives us a real opportunity to run a series of uh, workshops, um, sessions one to one or in groups with those staff to get them to see all different aspects of, of life at RHS. Some of those are about pastoral care. Some of them about their own self-care. Some cover issues like safeguarding and and down to the sort of report writing and Mm -hmm. um, social events and and how the school runs from our own um, language that we might use um, and traditions of the school um, to those that are obviously um, more practical, I suppose, in the way in which they run. But that programme of activities really does give our staff an opportunity to explore the full wide-ranging aspects of the school right from the very offset and gives them that great foundation so that they feel part of our community. Yeah, actually, well, you mentioned the uh, language of the school because I've heard a lot about that in my time. But I think you're right, isn't it? It's about being part of that community, people actually bringing them into that and um I mean how was that for you as well the uh, naval heritage of the school and learning the language when you first arrived I have to say it tripped me up on a couple of occasions and it does take time to get used to it but I certainly feel that I've got the language of divvies stand easy mess dh watertight all of those now are off pat uh, and hopefully um, I'm quite okay with, with that language. But it did take time and uh, you do sometimes stand there and think, I wonder what that means. Ah, oh, that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I love it. For four years, is that long enough? Is that key sort of to be embedded in the ways of RHS? So you've been there. Um, and obviously, one of the things you've also been navigating as well is the pandemic where, you know, so much of your pastoral care was probably in a totally different way. And how how did you adapt to that? And what are some of the things that you really had to think about? 
it was such a, an interesting experience and, and caused, I suppose, great complexity because pastoral care in its um, finest is about those personal interactions mm-hmm. and spending time face to face with an individual. And obviously, we were in a situation of lockdown where our children were, were spread across the globe. But pastoral care was never more important than at that time. And so we made sure that we kept contact with our, our young people. But it with, with it was a different, I suppose, format, really. So we would use a weekly survey that we would send out to all our young people and our staff to ask after their well-being. We, we sort of called it a bit of a temperature check. So what was their well-being like? How were they finding their learning? Um, were they engaging with the wider um activities that we ran as a community and we got feedback every single week and anyone that we felt perhaps was feeling slightly lower that week or was struggling with their learning we would phone them individually and make contact and ask them how they were doing what could we do to improve their experience and I think that meant that we were still we still had that real live interaction with our young people in addition to that we had something that we called hashtag part of RHS Mm. which was an initiative to try and keep the community together and we would think of things that we would do weekly perhaps wear something yellow because it was one of the 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 colors that that brought joy um tea and biscuits v-day picnic in the park um we offered to um people to give us a playlist of music that they might like or a book that they might enjoy reading and every week we would ask people to send photographs in to show us them engaged in these activities and we'd make a slideshow or a video which we would play back to the community weekly to show all of the activities and again it just helped to draw some of our young people and their families together and make them feel not so isolated and that we did care and we were interested and we wanted them to feel that they were still part of the wider family Wow, that is one of the huge impacts, isn't it, for young people who really felt isolated and segregated. It sounds incredibly creative. So what has been the feedback and how have you felt that the young people have managed to adapt to life back in school because of that? What has been some of the sort of the impact perhaps you've seen returning to school? I think that our young people still felt connected. So when mm-hmm. they came back, perhaps the anxiety over what to expect whether their friendship groups would still be there was um, more settled as a result of having that that link still with school. In terms of their relationship with staff, I think it only strengthened it so that when they came back, they knew that there were people that were there still to listen to them and to that would understand how they were feeling on their return. So I think those aspects were really important. And I think we have also grown in terms of our understanding mm-hmm. of what young people perhaps experienced through the pandemic by talking to them so that when they came back, we were in a position to make sure that our pastoral care aligned to their new needs that they would have so that we were ready from the offset to be able to welcome them and have that really positive experience. It's not to say that some young people still struggle on return. Mm -hmm. And I think young people will for some time going forwards because I think we can't underestimate the impact that the pandemic had but I would like to think they're confident that they know that there is someone always there that they can talk to should they feel that the need arises for them. Well, perhaps this is also one of the reasons I'm going to mention and hopefully don't feel too embarrassed. Uh, congratulations on your recent nomination for the Boarding School Association Award. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, what that is award is for, Zoe? So we're very fortunate here at RHS within our community to work with young people who are supported through a number of organisations like Greenwich Hospital, Springboard Foundation and also the virtual schools. 
And our work during the pandemic was that we were able to stay open for a number of those young people so that during that very difficult time, they were able to be here and have that continuity of experience and pastoral care. So we stayed open throughout the entirety of the pandemic, including the holidays. And the award recognised the work that we had done um, and the boarding schools um, association uh, therefore put us forward as, as part of that work that we'd undertaken. And what was behind that decision to stay open for the whole of that time? And you mentioned these different organisations. Why did you as a school feel that that was so important? I think we recognise that um, when the the country went into lockdown, a number of our, our pupils just weren't able to get home. And there was so much going on and so many um, people worried about their loved ones, about the uncertainty of what was coming next, that to put into the mix that them potentially having to stay with guardians or at homestays or in settings that, that weren't as nurturing as then traditional family setting, perhaps because of the role that some of their parents were playing or their, their home circumstances, that we felt that by keeping our doors open and allowing them to stay with us would give them that security and nurturing environment that was so important at such a difficult time. And, you know, that's the work that we pride ourselves in doing, looking after their well-being. And we felt that by staying open, we would be able to do that better than doing it by, from afar. Mm-hmm. It underpins, doesn't it? Again, everything that you value and how important it is. And it's it's interesting to know, isn't it, that many people think about key workers going, their children going to local schools, but actually schools such as RHS actually staying open and being available for all of your young people. So, so we've talked quite a lot about young people. We've talked about staff. What about yourself? Okay, so um, obviously well-being is very important. You've mentioned that. We've heard a little bit about sailing. So what do you do um, outside of the classroom, outside of you know managing and uh, being there for people and supporting others? I think you're, you're right. Well-being is really important, whether you're a young person or an adult. And I think it's really important for our young people to know that even in the positions that we hold, we still need to look after our own well-being. And it's perfectly normal to have good days and bad days. And, and how we manage that and look after ourselves is really key. So I absolutely love the outdoors. And if I can be by water, I'm a very, very happy person. If I can be on the water, I'm even happier. Um, I absolutely love sailing. And whilst I don't sail as competitively as I did in my youth, um, I have had the absolute pleasure uh, of being able to teach my niece and nephew, who are two and three, uh, how to sail. So if I manage to get a bit of time on the water with them, I consider myself to be very lucky. I rowed while I was at uni. And whilst I don't get on the water at the moment to row, I do have a rowing machine. And I can imagine I'm on the water. And so uh, my rowing machine takes a a bit of a hit at times uh, when I get on there and row out my stresses and strains. Um, And then I suppose just really having some family time is is key Mm -hmm. for me. Uh, You know, knowing that there are people that that are there that you can talk to. um, I think everybody needs somebody that they feel is there for them. And, And my family plays a key part in that. Wow, gosh, sounds brilliant. I would say I wouldn't probably have put rowing machine myself into well-being, but I'm glad for you. It's a good place to go and you know vent some frustration, perhaps and things like. That. And you know, and obviously, because well-being is is such an incredible you know place to start, isn't it? As we think about our bodies and our minds being full and whole. And I know that you're working on a significant um, initiative at the moment as well. What what does that involve, and what are you actually seeking to do for your pupils in the future? 
So we've um, chosen to go for the Optimist Wellbeing Award, which is a really exciting venture. And our reason for doing that is that whilst I believe that we do have a great pastoral provision here at school, there is no doubt that it's important always to look at what you can do to continue to improve that provision. And I felt that this award gave us an opportunity to benchmark ourselves against the national picture rather than it just being a localised picture. Mm. And also gave us an opportunity to more formally seek the views of our stakeholders, so our, our pupils, our staff and our parents. So we've had an opportunity to do that. And alongside that, we have had an opportunity to get a small working party together. And that consists of pupils, parents, governors, staff, and also colleagues that work in agencies that we naturally link with. So to watch our young people, our pupils, lead our staff in sharing their ideas for well-being and how we might improve the provision that we have has been really inspiring. And I truly believe that by working on this award, it has given us a chance, as I say, to look at the things that we do well and celebrate those, but also to understand where and how we might improve what we currently do to make an even better provision for our young people going forwards. So it's, it's exciting times and um, we've got a year to work on it. So we've got everything crossed for a, a successful outcome. Wow, gosh, it sounds like it's a huge amount. But I love the fact you also talk about that getting your young people to lead. Um, and so, you know, you've mentioned how RHS pupils are confident, you know, their resilience, the idea of giving them opportunities, demonstrating all of these different things. If I was going to ask you now, someone, I don't know, parent, you were meeting with them and they were like, you know, what makes RHS so special? Is there anything else, Zoe, that you could say or, or what would you what would you sort of love to share with them that you haven't had a chance to tell us yet? I think RHS is a very special and unique place for a young person to undertake their education. And I think that staff feel it's a real privilege and pleasure to work with our young people. And when you have a group of staff that are so passionate about our young people's needs and their successes, I think you have a staff that will go the extra mile to make sure that that young person's needs are met. And I think that's what makes it a special place. And when young people feel that they're invested in and feel that there are staff there to support them, I think they also feel that they want to give of their best. And I often say to young people, if you can just be the best version of yourself that you can, then naturally you will achieve your full potential. And I think that's what our young people strive to do, to be the best version of themselves. And I think that's all we can ask for. And that is an amazing foundation. So thank you so much. With all your experience, it's been a delight to speak to you this afternoon. Um, I have learned so much. Um, and thank you for sharing what makes RHS and what you do there as well. So we will leave you to go back. Anything else that you'd like to share with us before I say goodbye? No, just thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. And that was Zoe King, Deputy Head Pastoral Care at RHS. Thank you for coming on the show, Zoe, and telling us a little about yourself. We really enjoyed that interview. Thanks so much. That's all for today, everyone. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an interview and hear more inspiring stories from these amazing pupils, teachers and alumni of the school. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.